And a very warm welcome to Monday's Richie Allen Show. How are you today? Are you well? It's been a glorious but a chilly day here in the northwest of the UK. It is uh, the 25th of April 2022. Drop me a line during the course of the live show. Uh, between now and seven, that is, at richieallen.co.uk. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. Certainly unfiltered, anyway. No doubt about that. Not suitable for children. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now... Here's your host, Richie Allen. Yes, richieallen.co.uk. That's the place to leave a comment. Comment live is the thing. So comment live. I've only gone and done it again. I don't know whether it's complacency. Now, complacency would be unusual for me because I'm not a complacent person. But I've not dragged the audio bank (laughs) into the playout system. It wouldn't be the first time. I've done that. Maybe it's a Monday thing. Anyway, while I'm doing it, let me tell you, Tony Gosling from uh, Not the BCFM Politics Show in Bristol, former BBC journalist, Tony Gosling will be with me. We're going to talk a little bit about the madness in China, in Shanghai, and now in Beijing. Totalitarianism, dystopianism, no such word, dystopian. It's terrible. We'll talk to Tony about that and more. Dean Henderson, live an hour two. Former Democratic political candidate, he's an author, journalist, broadcaster, all-round good guy, Dean, and Tony, our Monday's guests, is the Richie Allen Show, live from BBG Towers. Me, lovely weekend. Lovely. It was lovely yesterday to spend some time in Moberly. Uh, thank you again to Laura and to Rick at the Railway Inn, and Mum and Dad, too, for their lovely welcome. Beautiful. A tad chilly outdoors, but, but bearable. I'm getting chilly these days. And I think it's because I'm skin and bone these days. There isn't much flesh on me. Maybe I need a bit more meat on the bones. I'm very, I was very rarely in my life cold. Very warm-blooded person. But I'm cold. The circulation isn't marvellous. Anyway, you didn't come here to listen to my whinging, did you now? No, you most certainly did not. Misogyny, misogyny, misogyny. A lot of people talking about misogyny today because some wag, some hack, writing in the mail on Sunday, and if I had seen this yesterday morning, I would have talked about it on Sunday morning melodies for the crack, but I didn't see it. I saw it today. Uh, Some hack in the mail on Sunday claimed that the Labour deputy leader, or the deputy leader of the Labour Party, Angela Rayner, from Stockport, she's the one who talks about the Tories and calls them scum, Tory scum, Tory scum, you're all scum. That's what she says. Got a little chain on her chest, you just pull it like that. You're all scum. They're scum, the Tories. Anyway, somebody writing in the Mail on Sunday claimed that she has been crossing and uncrossing her lovely long legs Why? Well, to distract UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, of course. Why else would you cross and uncross your legs? Just like that scene in the film Basic Instinct, when Sharon Stone refuses the offer of a lawyer and faces the policeman in the room all by herself, including Michael Douglas. And then Sharon, who was going commando, uncrossed her legs and gave the guys in the room a glimpse of heaven. A fleeting glimpse, but by 
God, was it amazing. I broke several VHS video players by pausing and rewinding the scene and then pausing it. And if you remember VHS video recorders, as you might well do, you didn't get a clear picture when you paused the film. So you didn't. When you paused it, you got lines across the screen and it was kind of jumpy, a bit jumpy like this. You can see it now, can't you, in your mind's eye. So you paused on the VHS and it jumped up and down. So you couldn't really see the beaver. There you go. I told you, no children. You couldn't see it. Yeah, smashed videos by pausing and rewinding it. I was 16 when the film came out, so it was the most amazing thing of all time. You couldn't get porn in Waterford. We didn't even have Playboy then. If you wanted pornographic magazines, you had to ask somebody who was going to Liverpool or Manchester to watch football to come back with a hold all bag full of smutty mags. That's what you did. Anyway, back to the news. Angela Rayner has been accused of using the Dr. Catherine Trammell playbook to distract the Prime Minister. You see, she's stood in for Keir Starmer at one or two PMQs when Starmer has had COVID or when he's had something else to do. Bit of fun? I'd have thought so. Harmless? Certainly. Childish? Definitely. But by God, have they made a big deal of this today. Have a listen to the Shadow Chancellor of the Exchequer... Rachel Reeves speaking to Sky News. I think that too many people think that this sort of thing is just acceptable. So it's got to be called out and right from the top. And it's got to be seen as uh, totally socially unacceptable to be saying this sort of stuff. And the problem is, is we don't know the names because they don't have the guts to say this in public. They anonymously brief their friends uh, in, the, in the press, but uh, they shouldn't hide behind that anonymity. If that's what they think... Have the guts to say it. Have the guts to say it, says Rachel Reeves. Boris Johnson apparently spoke to Angela Rayner privately to assure her that it had nothing to do with him, that he wasn't briefing the mail on Sunday, that Angela was uncrossing and unwinding and unfolding her legs in front of him while he was trying to make a point at the dispatch box. Here he is. I have to say, I thought it was a most appalling load of uh, a sexist, misogynist tripe and... I uh, immediately got in touch with Angela and, uh, and we had a, uh, a very friendly uh, exchange and, you know, if we ever find who was... They did phone sex. ...responsible for it, well, very what? friendly uh, exchange and, you know, if we ever find who was responsible for it, well, well, I don't know what we'll do with them. But if, we, if we ever find who was responsible for it, I don't know what we'll do with them. But we'll be the terrors of the earth, but, you know, it's totally intolerable, that kind of thing. The terrors of the earth, blah, 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 blah. Totally intolerable. It isn't intolerable. It's good fun, is what it is. A little bit of King Lear there from Bojo. Did you catch a bit of King Lear? Yeah, check out the big brain on Richie. No, no, don't check out the big brain on Richie. Because even though I studied King Lear at uh, secondary school, the quote eluded me. I had to be informed that the quote was from King Lear by a Sky News reporter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the House of Commons Speaker is a man called Lindsay Hoyle. Now, you would think they would elect a Speaker who could actually speak, right? Someone who can actually articulate. Obviously not. Whenever I hear Lindsay Hoyle, I want to send him a dribbler. Just in case you don't know, it's a little piece of cloth that you tie around a baby's neck. Not too tightly. So when the baby spits up his or her food, it goes on the dribbler. 
and not on the baby clothes. Do they call the dribbler the dribbler in the United States or is there a US name for the dribbler? Please tell me. Anyway, Lindsay Hoyle, f***ing useless, listen. Before we start today's business, I want to say something about the article in yesterday's Mail on Sunday about the right of member for Ashton Underline. I said to the House last week, in response to a point of order about a different article, that I took the issue of media freedom very seriously. It is one of the building blocks of our democracy. <laughs> However, I share the views expressed by a wide range of members, including, I believe, the Prime Minister, that yesterday's article was reporting substantiated claims of misogynistic and offensive. Those are what we believe. I express my sympathy to the right honourable member for Ashton Line for the subject to this type of comment. Sympathy? Some bloke in the Tory party contacted the Mail on Sunday and said to try and distract Johnson, Rayner is being mischievous by opening and closing her legs. Why would you express sympathy with her? Why? In being demeaning, offensive to women in Parliament, it can only deter women who might be considering standing for election to the detriment of us all. What? What? Let me get this straight. By some stupid story in the Mail on Sunday, or because of some stupid story in the Mail on Sunday, you believe that it will deter women from choosing a life of public service? You've got to be shitting me, right? No, they all agreed. Yeah, yeah. That is why I am arranging a meeting with the chair of the press lobby. He's meeting the chair of the press lobby. The editor of the Mail on Sunday today. And the editor of the Mail on Sunday. Now, my ears pricked up when he said this. Lobby. The editor of the Mail on Sunday to discuss the issue. To discuss the issue. You see, the editor of the Mail on Sunday, this is where your children should not be listening, dear listener. The editor of the Mail on Sunday, upon receiving a call from his personal assistant to say that the Speaker of the House, Lindsay Hoyle, is on the line. The editor of the Mail on Sunday should say, patch him through there to to his assistant or her assistant. I don't know who edits the Mail on Sunday. I should do, but I don't. Um, yeah, put him through. Put Lindsay through. Lindsay, how are you? How are you? Lindsay, fuck off. It's none of your business what we print in the Mail on Sunday. Do you understand that? You're a politician. Not at the moment, you're the Speaker of the House of Commons. But how dare any elected representative call a Sunday newspaper to tell us what we should and shouldn't print? F-U-C-K off in block capital letters. The balls of this guy, Lindsay Oil. All because someone wrote a bit of a silly, childish story in the newspaper about something that doesn't really amount to more than a hill of beans. A nonsense, nothing story. Distraction stuff. Affecting our parliamentary community. I will, I'm also arranging separately, and I believe we've now got a time where I will be meeting with the right old member flashed on the line this evening. And he's meeting with Angela Rayner this evening, presumably to pass on his sympathy that she had to go through the ordeal, the horrendous ordeal. A politician, and we're talking about a politician, she had to go through the ordeal of a silly story in the Mail on Sunday. Dangerous stuff. You think distraction, yes, of course, but this is dangerous stuff. Talking about misogyny, which means hatred of women. There's nothing hateful in it. Some dickhead backbench Tory contacted the Mail on Sunday to tell them, listen, we believe that this is going on, this bit of flirtation. They've been talking about this for weeks. When Rayner has stood in for Johnson, she's been giggling at him and grinning and twirling her hair and her fingers, all that garbage. 
it's been a bit of a bit of a running gag. That's all it is, really. Some bloke took it further. The paper printed a story. Now they're talking about whether the paper should print stories like that again in the future. You see? Anyway, Lindsay Hoyle. It's uh, 12 minutes past five. It's Monday's Richie Allen Show. It is live. It's always live. It's live. And it's live. Of course it's live. James O'Brien, chunt, um, talk, uh, talk radio presenter for LBC, loves a bit of virtue signalling if, if he can do it. They were talking about this today and some bloke, some bloke rang in, some black gentleman to say that, um, and this is, I, I've talked about this a lot in the past, but not recently, about how you in the 21st century, particularly in this decade, can say whatever you want. And it doesn't matter how untrue it is we live in a post-fact, post-truth world. Lies are being told, massive lies, and nobody is taking them on. Here a guy rings in, a black dude rings in to say that slavery isn't taught in schools in England. This is bullshit. I've looked into it. I've spoken to teachers. I've even looked at the curriculum and the books contained within or on the curriculum. It is a nonsense to say that the uh, that UK school children are not taught about slavery. It's a lie. But let's not let uh, the, the truth get in the way of a good lie. Listen to this guy with uh, James O'Brien. It's interesting. Talking about myself, you know, I'm a, a young black Brit, but I've grown up in the education. Who describes themselves as a young black Brit? Just, just putting that one out there, I'm not suggesting for a minute that the callers to goons like James O'Brien are fake. I'm not saying that, but I have wondered it sometimes. I'm a young black Brit. Can't imagine a black dude saying that, but anyway. System in, in England, and I've, you know, We've learned about the industrial resolution, um, revolution. Sorry, we've yeah. done talk very little about slavery, very little about um, what's been going on in terms of the Caribbean colonialization. Sure. And I think as a result of that, I think you, there's a big sort of key that's missing for a lot of people, yeah. and people believe that actually royals are needed in the Caribbean because there's not much going on. But right. really, there's so much going on from trade from. You know, I can list a lot of things in terms of why, like, for example, Barbados is incredibly wealthy. Mm. But the general consensus is that people aren't aware of it. And the lack of awareness and the lack of education is causing a continuation for people like Boris Johnson to make those comments. It's, an, it's a sort of know your place, the rhetoric of know your place, awesome. really. And that, that is not, it's not confined to, uh, you know, former colleagues. Uh, but, 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 but. Here's his opportunity now to turn the slavery discussion into a bit of virtue signalling about Angela Rayner. Oh my God, O'Brien is wretched. It, it works beautifully here as well. Angela Rayner got a fat slice of know your place. In the Mail on Sunday yesterday. No, Angela Rayner didn't get a fat slice of know your fucking place in the Mail on Sunday. The Mail on Sunday suggested that she was trying to distract Johnson when he was speaking at the dispatch box by uncrossing her legs. It was nothing to do with know your place. It's a silly story. Today in that disgusting article. but Disgusting article. But it is obviously exacerbated. when Virtue signalling to the moon, James O'Brien. You can add race to class to create the... Now it's race and class. Target. But do you know what's quite interesting is that, you know, I heard a comment not long ago, actually, in that you can't have capitalisation without... Capitalisation, holy Jesus. We'll leave that one alone. 
It's uh, 16 minutes past five. Speaking of the post-fact, post-truth world, nothing crystallises it better than today, Monday, 25th of April 2022, appears Morgan returns to British television stations, working for Rupert Murdoch's Talk TV. And Morgan has managed to reinvent himself in recent years as a no-nonsense, tough-talking guardian of free speech. This is the bullshit now that they've managed to sell people when it's patently obvious that Piers Morgan is the enemy of free speech, not in any way a guardian of it or a protector of it. So they're putting him on as this guy who's taking on cancel culture and taking on wokeness, even though Morgan has done as much as anyone else to cancel his critics and to ban them and to ensure that they don't have a platform. I mean, he really has. This is the bastard who for 18 months on Good Morning Britain, him and his production team did everything they could to make sure that the legions of men and women of science and medicine who said lockdowns were farcical, were dangerous, would destroy children's lives and would kill more people than any virus. Morgan did everything he could and his mates at GMB to make sure we never heard those doctors. Oh yeah, Morgan sat there, never asked a fucking question of a government politician about lockdowns. The only thing he did was to demand the lockdowns were faster and harder. The cheek of him to talk about taking on cancel culture. Wonderful though, in promoting his brand new television show, which begins uh, some sometime today, he went on Julia Hartley Brewer's talk radio breakfast programme. And by God, Julia, I could have kissed you. I could have French kissed you. Is that misogynistic? Why? Why? Because Julia reminded him ever so gently that he's a fucking hypocrite. Good morning to you. Well, good Morgan. morning, colleague. Colleague. Well, we're colleagues now. Yeah, you blocked me on Twitter last year. You blocked me on Twitter last year, yeah? Yeah, I remember this, by the way, yeah? We're going to get into I've that. I've unblocked you. You unblocked Oh, he wasn't happy. I've unblocked you, he said. Blocked me. Yeah, but You're you know, we're we'll she's unblocked now. We'll talk about that. This is the guy now who's crusading against cancel culture. Let, yeah. Let's talk about this. <laughs> let's talk about you. Let's we, try and laugh it off. We are so excited to have you Thank aboard. You. Good ship talk, uh, talk radio. It still existed, but talk TV. We're going to be multimedia. Pull your tongue out of his arse, Julia. You started well. You should have pursued that line of questioning. Who are you to? stand up and lead the fight against people being cancelled when you're a bit of a cancel merchant yourself, aren't you? When people ask you questions you don't like. I remember he blocked the Richie Allen Show Twitter account when I had one for asking him politely and professionally, why do you persist in not inviting onto your programme the men and women of medicine who say that lockdowns are dangerous? For that, decided to block me. Not to debate me, or, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but not to debate anybody else in medicine or science, but no. And he was doing that right across the board, blocking doctors and scientists and people of medicine who disagreed with him. This guy is going to spend all of his time talking about the Sussexes and cancel culture. This former editor of the Daily Mirror 
There's never been a bigger censor in the media than Piers Morgan. Like I said, it's a beautiful world we live in. Facts don't matter. History doesn't matter. The truth doesn't matter. As long as you say loudly enough what you are and who you are, it doesn't matter if that is a billion miles away from the truth. You're not going to be called out on it. And that goes to another very dark agenda about identity. You know, if you think you're a unicorn, if you believe it, well, who's to say you're not, even though you pet me, are not a unicorn? Doesn't fucking matter. But anyway, it's uh, 20 minutes past the hour. This is the Richie Allen Show. It is live. It's always live. I've said that already. From talk from BBG. I nearly said something stupid there. Uh, from BBG Towers here in Salford. I better calm down for a moment. Hey, Tony Gosling is with me in five minutes. After that, Dean Henderson is going to be a busy and a good old show today. Have I time to do one more? Have I, Rosemary? Have I? Have I? Rosemary, my, my new assistant. In the, there is no assistant. I'm, I'm channeling Barry. My old mate Barry from uh, Talk Radio Europe in Spain. I'll tell you what I'll do. I will do that. I'll, I'll do that one. I'll do two more stories. That's what I'll do. Um, I've been writing and putting things on richieallen.co.uk, by the way. Speaking of madness, um, Google Docs used by a lot of people to write things, anything, essays, notes, letters, uh, circulars. You might want to write a circular to send it to your staff. You would use Google Docs, increasingly people using it. It's a word processing application. Uh, it's introducing a function that will warn you if your language isn't inclusive enough. This is true. Think writing pregnant women should have vitamin C and vitamin D. Right. It'll prompt you not to say pregnant women, use pregnant people, pregnant persons. You might think that isn't very, very new. No, but it's becoming more official. And uh, some journalists have been trying it out. And uh, yeah, it's prompting people not to use terms like crazy and instead to use baffling. So it tells you your language isn't inclusive enough and it offers you a solution. Uh, don't say manners, like we've wasted too many manners on this project. Tell Bill in accounts to close the book on it. No, no, you've got to say person hours instead of manners and all. No, you don't have to say it, but this is where it's going. And I think this has a lot to do with self-censorship rather than inclusivity. That interested me. And very briefly before Tony uh, comes back on the programme, this interested me as well today. Again, I didn't see this yesterday, but the Mail on Sunday reported that one secondary school in this country, it, is, it has been found that in one school, in one school, 7% or nearly 7% of the children have identified as trans or non-binary. Now, one of the teachers who reached out to the Mail on Sunday believes this is because lockdown has screwed up children and sent them into some weird spaces online. Um, that teacher telling the mail that I can't come out and publicly say this and allow myself to be named because I could be fired for doing it. Interesting that it's on uh, richieallen.co.uk. Nearly 7% of kids at one school identify as trans or non-binary. There's obviously something very wrong there. 
You might check that out if you haven't. That was in the mail on Sunday, yesterday. Anywho, 24 minutes past the hour. Time for a tune. It's um, Bruce the Boss Springsteen, Tony Gosling joining me, Dean Henderson just after that. It's the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford with me, the BBG, Richie Allen. Uncensored, unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. Right, that is uh, Bruce Springsteen waiting on a sunny day, 26 minutes past the hour, Monday's programme. Uh, what do I, I can't tell you anything. You don't know about Tony Gosling, author, broadcaster, and not at the BCFM politics show, five o'clock Fridays out of Bristol. It's terrific. And of course, former BBC journalist. Welcome back, T. Good to have you on. How are you? Very well, thank you. You sound good. You sound like you're in the next room. It's gorgeous. It's the technology. Great to have you back. Before we talk about the lunacy unfolding in Shanghai, or excuse me, in Beijing, on the foot of Shanghai, and why we might be nervous about that, because I am, um, I'd like to kick off uh, talking a little bit about, why not, just for two minutes, because it's, it's, it's everywhere today. This um, talk about um, misogyny and Lindsay Hoyle, the Speaker of the House, having the temerity to phone the editor of the Mail on Sunday to demand a meeting with him because of a story in yesterday's paper, a silly story, a throwaway story, claiming that Angela Rayner was using her legs to distract the Prime Minister. Misogyny, hate crimes, all that sort of stuff. What do you think, T? I think proper gender. Proper gender. So this is a complete and utter nonsense story from start to finish. Uh, the idea is it just takes up airtime, uh, airwaves, call them inches, and it gets people thinking about the um, manipulation of m- m- the women by men, abuse of men by women, how different women and men are. Look, we are 90, 95%, shall we say, the same. No, you know, that is not really hardly mentioned. So this is a divide and rule tactic. It's also a tactic to swamp the airwaves with nonsense to keep out the truth uh you know the the idea that this is a story i think is even you know well it doesn't really meet the first criteria what you're doing is you're talking about something which may not have even happened yes good point and we should leave it there but just 30 seconds more <laughs> no, resisted, no, I, you? well, well, because you've been sucked in you've been sucked in man. I, i've been sucked in yeah because i <laughs> because i think you're, you're absolutely everything you said there is right there isn't a bot here I think they'll use it, though, for certain agendas, namely, obviously, censorship, namely, you know, imposing self-censorship on people, getting people terrified about doing anything, lest they be called out. So you're right, it is absolute nonsense in light of what else is going on, but it's a niggly little one. And, you know, when you have the Speaker of the House phoning up the editor of the Mail on Sunday to say, you should be careful about how you talk about women and stuff like that, that's sinister, that. Well, what when they phone up the editor of the Mail on Sunday and say and say, and ask him uh, what and Tony Blair asked Tony Blair did and say, well, what did David Shaler and Annie Mashon tell you about me? This, this is really an important conversation that they've had uh, with the editor of the Mail on Sunday, and of course, the, the, the you know the, nowadays, as we've seen over in France, the the um, politicians really just rely uh, on the newspapers, the press, to get in. They are absolutely scared of the press. Uh, I mean, as we've seen all the stuff with Harry, etc. He's scared. 
very scared, as you say, with the press. Uh, the press is, you know, is, is, is attempting to lead opinion as it shouldn't really be ever doing. Of course, you can have a leader column, you can have opinion pieces in the press, but the idea is now that the people who own the press are basically in lockstep. You've got the Associated Press Newswire, which is basically most of the stuff we see in our newspapers here, comes straight from there owned by Reuters, Reuters as well. So you've got these newswire services, which are basically, they were put together and they are, their main function is just churning out uh, stock figures, stock price figures. These are now being used to write almost all about our news, Richie. And I, I you know, it, it, it does my head in to think that you have to phone the head for the mail on Sunday about something so trivial. Much more interesting to find out, did David Shaler and Annie Mashon see Tony Blair's MI5 file when he was there? Because he was was working for them. He was doing all sorts of things. He was infiltrating groups like CND for MI5. And that's that is a real conversation to have about the interaction between the people we elect and the security state. That's a real real conversation. It is. I'd like to pick that up again with you in the future. It's quite a, a time since I got into that. And uh, I, I like to refresh our listeners' memories on things like that from time to time. Now, before we do talk about China, I've got to talk about France, the incumbent one, Emmanuel Macron. I think he's the first incumbent to defend, to hold on to his office mm-hmm. and get a second term in 20 years or thereabouts. Does it matter, Tony, really, who leads France? Of course France? it matters. It matters in- incredibly uh, that whether or not the French people get somebody uh, you know, to represent them as a president who... Uh, is actually representing the people rather than... I mean, one of the main problems, of course, was that Marine Le Pen has failed in the past. So why is she there again? You know, if, if you failed, uh, then I'm afraid you've just got to make way for someone else to do do your job. Now, you know, she's also got these links back through her family to the Pétain, Pétain Marshal Pétain and the... Um, uh, the German occupation of France in the Second World War, which is really not a good thing. That proved to be her undoing, I think, back in 2017. Uh, she should have stood aside. I mean, she had some actually really fantastic policies which would have beaten Macron. One of which, I mean, I, I interviewed Eric Simon on my programme for uh, Friday, and there's a longer interview up with me. People want to hear what's really going on. He's attended a lot of these Yellow Vest protests over the years, and he's a he's a, a, a Anglophile French guy. He's worked over in London as well, a lot as well. And he's he was saying the main issues are basically things like the EU. We need to have somebody who's going to get us out of the EU who's not, uh, you know, linked to the Nazis, as as um, uh, Le Pen was, is. And I think she I just have to get out of the way now. So the the idea being that you have uh, um, she, I mean, she was uh, bringing in this thing, which is a constitutional referendum, like they have in in um, uh, in Switzerland. So the constitutional referendum in France, if she'd have got in, she would have implemented that. If also she had won in the uh, forthcoming um, MP election. Their, their parliamentary elections that come in a couple of months' time, uh, which would have meant that, you know, she well, I think she was, did something brilliant here, which is saying, look, the political class is so, uh, it, so controlled, absolutely controlled. Anyone that gets anywhere near power who's working for the people gets character assassinated or shot, shot, bumped off, or some terrible accident happens to them, they have a heart attack, keel over like John Smith or whatever. So what she's saying is let's 
every any petition which gets half a million signatures, and this was something that came from the yellow vest, right, um, is then put out to referendum and it's legally binding. So uh, as the country votes for it, the government have to implement it. Now, this is a fantastic transformation in France, would make it a real pro- true people's republic. And uh, and yet, the you know, the people voted for Macron. Now, I think it's, it's feasible that there was vote rigging, I'm not sure. Uh, but I just think that, you know, it was stupid to put her forward. There's another another thing um, which she she brought in as well, or which she would have done, which is almost certainly to have left the EU, because the French um, back in, I think it was 2002, wasn't it, Richie? You might be able to remember this as well, the, the Lisbon Treaty. The French actually voted against the Constitution. Uh, I think it was something like 50, 55% against, 45% for it. So yeah, and what happened? To join the EU, R- and remind they just didn't listeners. bother to do it. No, that's they right. They the referendum result. You know? So it, the yeah. French people know this. They, they're really annoyed about this. So that would almost certainly have meant, if the pen had gone in, that they left the EU. Well, so, the, uh, the Irish voted against the Lisbon Treaty, and you know what they said? They said you can go back and vote again and vote the way we want you to vote. So we had another one, another referendum. I don't think... Necessary. I'm not. I'm not sure it would have mattered. Why are you so convinced? You of all people who you know the score. Why? Why would you believe Marine Le Pen? Well, I just, I just think that she's got nothing to lose. I mean, they are a nationalist party. Farage is much wiser than her, in that he managed to have a very, very strict disciplinary uh, procedure around anyone from the far right joining. Uh, I don't think they've quite managed to do that over with the Front National in France. I mean, also, you know, changing the name from the National Front, that was a good start as well. You don't want to have a nationalist no. party, which is calling itself the National Front. You know, it's just a, it's, it's got all the baggage of the genuine far right nastiness uh, from years gone by. So you need to have something which is, uh, you know, is not globalist um, and is, you know, this is a, the idea is to sort of push the idea of the nation state and not the European Union. But don't you think that Marine uh, Le Pen and, and people like her are, are, are classic examples of controlled opposition? Do you not? Do you not? Cons- not I'm not saying that's true. I'm asking you, do you? Con- I don't know if that's true, but do you consider that to be a possibility? I, I, well, of course, there's always control. And the control, I think, in the Front National was, uh, uh, you know, basically buttering her up uh, narcissistically, convincing her that she was the best person to lead uh, the Nationalist Party in France into the next presidential election. She should have stood aside, Richie, simple as that. Let someone else, you know, younger, uh, not tainted with this sort of bloodline link down to the Nazis, which she is, um, you know, and and let France move on. But, you know, she should have stood aside. She didn't. She could have been there to advise and help, maybe take part in a, you know, in a, um, you know, advise, as a presidential advisor or something if uh, Front National had won. But anyway, it's just going to be the same old nonsense. A Rothschild banker, Sarkozy, sorry, as not Sarkozy wasn't, but he was very close to them, um, as Macron is now still in charge, smug, uh, you know. And and actually, what he's he's amazing that he's got away with it after the horrific measures they've had in France, particularly over COVID and the absolute merciless crushing of anybody talking about using ivermectin and chloroquine, which happened over there. Yeah, you know, they actually is, they actually took all this all the chloroquine out of the shops in January before most people ever even knew that it could knew. potentially save your life. You know, so here's a guy. Yeah, here's a guy who said he wanted to make life very uncomfortable for the unva- uh, un- unvaccinated. He, I think he said he wanted to piss them off. Uh, I thought that was the exact quote. I think word for word in French, obviously, he wanted to piss off the unvaccinated until they gave in 
and had a jab. Yeah, it's been horrific in France. There's no doubt about that. Tony Gosling is our guest. Well, the French have got him for five years. What's going on in China, particularly in Shanghai and Beijing, is unimaginable, really. I mean, it really is. It's the stuff of the darkest, most dystopian science fiction novels. And I look at it and I keep asking myself the question, Tony, could that happen here? Could it happen at some stage here, what's happening to the Chinese? This thing where you're told, you know, you have to test. If you don't take a test, somebody will come and take you away and escort you to a testing centre. If you test positive, we're going to put you into a quarantine centre. They're separating children from adults, from from, from their parents. Um, The food crisis there, people throwing themselves off of buildings because life is so unbearable. It's actually hard to imagine this is going on. And yet I know it is. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, your most poignant of all your little questions there was, could it happen here? And, of yeah. course, it could happen here. I mean, I think the idea is what what seems to be going on in China right now is, is a, they're trialling a system and they're trialling you know, methods of control of the population. I had a, a guy called Keith van der Peel who's written a couple of books. Uh, Very one good of them, guy. Anyway, I mean, his, his, his book, Pandemic of Angst, is really good. I think I spoke to you about it last time. Yeah. It's It's... The idea here is that as the fascists try and take over the world, and of course I'm talking here really about authoritarian communists as well as authoritarian capitalists, you know, maybe anarcho-capitalists, people that just don't really believe in the rule of law, they just believe in, you know, the strength, the law of the jungle, basically, the survival of the fittest, that's their only real law, like Alistair Crowley, funnily enough. And uh, those people are just trying out various methods around the world. China is an easy place to do this because it's an incredibly authoritarian government, you know, with, and I don't know why, you know, if there were satire programmes, they would have been doing this, wouldn't they, for the last couple of years or so. She, who must be a Obeyed, you know, yeah. some sort of uh, transgender President Xi, if I'm allowed to say that, you know, <laughs> in, in the image of the um, old Hammer film, you know, and and so they are just trialing these stuff over there, Richie. I'm quite convinced of that. They're seeing what can we get away with, what will the, you know, what will convince people, what will not convince people, and they do uh, do intend to bring that sort of stuff over here. My colleague Martin Summers, he, you know, I, I do a weekly program with. Yes, he thinks that the Chinese Communist Party and the West are not really working together. I'm convinced they are through figures like Kissinger um, and Anthony Sutton also uh, in his work, uh, which was he, Wall Street, the rise of Hitler, Wall Street, the Bolshevik Revolution. You know, it, it all convinces me that there's been a, you know, a hidden hand behind the scenes with the Freemasons uh, in the US and with the Tongs in China, basically the same organisation. So, you know, I think that's that's much more likely to be what's going on there, Richie, is that you've got uh, people who are trialling these systems in countries where they can get away with it. In China, they can do pretty much whatever they want because it's a very authoritarian. People are just obedient. They, I mean, Just one little anecdote of the Chinese. I had a, a lovely friend who's an Indian, and uh, she had a whole load of students over from China. And uh, they just don't kind of think for themselves. So they're basically waiting to be told what to have for breakfast. And they're coming down in the morning and we have to wait for such and such to come down. He will tell us what we have for breakfast. You know, this kind of attitude is just not a Western attitude. You know, it's, there's a, it's like Fu Manchu, you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> if you remember the Fu Manchu novels, but I just happen to have a little quote here from Fu Manchu. He says, my fat, my power rests in the East. 
but my hand is stretched out to the west. I shall restore the lost grandeur of China when your civilization, as you're pleased to term it, has exterminated itself. When you've reduced to ashes your palaces and your temples, you've set back the clock which is so laboriously you fashioned. I shall stir our fallen. The golden dawn of the east will come. You know, so this is this has been around for a long time, this whole idea that actually uh, it's the ruthlessness of the uh, and the inscrutability of the Chinese which will dominate eventually. And I think there are quite a lot of people in China that say that, that just believe if we do what we're told, we can rule the world, we can take over, and we'll, you know, but of course, there's a whole, you know, possibly a, a majority even in, in China that are just simply not happy with this and they they, they, they just simply don't know how but they, to but they don't know how to, this, this is it that was my next question you've partly answered it why is there so little opposition I mean the idea that men and you know it broke my heart you don't get to hear about it Richie even if there is large amounts of opposition it won't will not be allowed to that's a point that's a point as well I'm afraid they they really are very very strict in keeping an absolute lockdown on their internet on their newspapers any kind of you know and that sort of stuff any 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 dissent I mean I don't know if you remember but there was a big demo in Wuhan just before all the uh, in 2019 Uh, it was about uh, an incinerator and loads of people People were locked up as a result of it. You know, it's it, they don't they don't uh, take lightly people coming doing um, protests over there, and also of course they're very 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 uh, strict about what the rest of the world sees about what goes on in China. Yeah, that's true enough. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. On my behalf, it's a bit naive wondering why they don't attempt to do anything about it, imagining that we would hear about it. That's a good point, Tony. Tony Gosling is our guest, not to the BCFM Politics Show, Fridays at five o'clock, thisweek.org.uk, Bilderberg.org. Check out Tony's uh, books. You've done some brilliant work, pal, lately, um, well, for a long time, but lately, on how the mass media is driving, um, is pushing and pushing and pushing for things to escalate in Eastern Europe. Um, I said to you, maybe I didn't say it to you today, maybe I said it to somebody else, but there's a feeling of a real stalemate there now, right now, that things are just going to pretty much stay as they are for some time to come, maybe even months. And I wonder, what will that mean? Why why would it, you know, just kind of quagmire now for, for months? And who would that suit? And is there anything that could happen that would would escalate it? Uh, well, you remember, remember Afghanistan because that was a quagmire yeah, for the Russians years and too. Years, yeah. You know, they, they, it was the idea was to draw them in and bog them down and you know tie them up and uh, and then you know destroy their morale. I think a lot of this is about morale, particularly the sinking of the Russian ship the other day. You know, the Moscow. The idea is to send an Easter message uh, to the world that oh dear, the Russian flagship sunk. Oh, oh, what a shame! And of course, you know, the the role of the, of NATO in these things is is very questionable. It may even be Richie that that NATO are doing some. Uh, of these missile strikes inside Russia, that they, it is actual NATO munitions uh, rather than Ukrainian. It's, it's not impossible that they may yeah. be just seeing what can we get away with here, uh, knowing that the Russians don't want to, uh, say, for example, uh, say, uh, give away their knowledge that NATO has helped, as they almost certainly did with the sinking of this um, um, big ship. 
the guided missile destro- uh, uh, cruiser. And, you know, so, yeah, they, but I think the Russians actually want to fight in a way, but they don't want to, um, maybe that uh, it's difficult to know what their game is. And if, of course, this is partly because this is their tactic, is that they don't want the West to actually figure out what they're really up to. Every now and again, of course, uh, as happened at the beginning of last week, they, they just completely change what they're doing. Loads of troops move around, they go somewhere completely different. And uh, when I had Scott Ritter on the programme on Friday, he's talking about, well, this is a massive feint. You know, so they, it's time tying up troops, uh, Ukrainian troops, that for, for something that was never going to happen. And so they could encircle the troops over in the east. And what I want to know is all these tanks they're talking about, uh, you know, various weapons that apparently that we're donating, you know, even though we've got all these homeless people on the streets, you know, et cetera, and no, not enough money to keep public toilets open, all this stuff we're donating in tanks and everything, how is it going to get to this army over in the east of Ukraine? Very good is, question. Encircled. It's not. It's, it, can't, it can't possibly get there. Uh, so th- th- this is one of the things we looked at in our discussion on our discussion on friday martin and i pulled apart this bbc program where's the line their program had it was billed as a debate but it wasn't a debate it was just a load of uh, anti-russian people a couple of military one from chatham house ha ha i mean i don't know your listeners know about chatham house this is set up with money from um, cecil Rhodes' will originally the round table groups and they set up uh, the council on foreign relations in the united states and the uh, Royal Institute for International Affairs or Chatham House in London. Um, even when I was at the BBC, any big, big that happened, like the first Gulf War, uh, oh, uh, my producer said, oh, someone from Chatham House, get someone from Chatham House. I'm thinking, well, who are these people? Are well, they? now yeah. no, I know who they are. I didn't at the time. I was suspicious at the time, but 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 uh, they are effectively a secret, private, secret society uh, that, that Cecil Rhodes set up with the, uh, the, I mean, the original object back in 1900 or so when Rhodes died was to, in his will, was to take over the world because the British Empire had been doing quite well in taking over lots of places, but they thought, oh, as a secret society, we can take the world over. And that is what you're getting when you get Chatham House. I had some Ukrainian woman from there almost crying. You know, I thought, well, look, this isn't a serious debate, discussion programme at all. So Martin and I just pulled it to pieces and, uh, you know, with a bit of reality, harsh reality about what is really going on over there. And, you know, it's, it's very difficult to know whether it's going to really be long drawn out or whether the Russians eventually are just going to take the Donbass and leave it at that. And leave it at uh, that. By the way, they, they, might, they, they might do that. They might. The Chatham House stuff you talked about, the, the Round Table Groups, the Council on Foreign Re- Relations, Haas and, and all of those people, it's excellent. For people who are new to this programme, you found it because of the COVID nonsense. If you want to know where the politicians of the world's governments get their instructions, you need to follow that line of inquiry that Tony Gosling was just talking about there. It's hugely important. It's the reason why I sometimes use throwaway lines on this programme that Johnson and his ilk are just front men and women for an agenda. It's not their policies. It isn't their policy. It isn't their idea. It's given to them from some where else? Read Bilderberg.org, Tony Gosling. Get on that website and start going down that rabbit hole. Now, here's well, my point. Can also, I just put a point? Also, I'd say, see the film They Live. Oh, They Live, I mean, yeah. You see yeah. They Live with an exclamation mark after They Live. It is, you know, Rowdy, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's almost about the Council on Foreign Relations, only it's not. And it's brilliant because they portray the people who are part of these secret societies as aliens. 
That's right. It's a brilliant film. Uh, John Carpenter, isn't it? Rowdy Roddy uh, Piper in the starring role. So without any evidence, just gut feeling, and not because I want this to be true. I don't do that. It's because I can't figure it out any other way. People are dying in Ukraine. Russian soldiers have died. This, this is a very real thing. However, I think it's one big, massive soap opera. Uh, how far into it Putin is, I don't understand. But I believe it's all being done deliberately to cause the food problems and the cost of living crises that we're seeing across Europe now. I really do believe that, Tony. I can't prove it. But the, the whole thing, it makes no sense to me that Russia would do it now. And I don't buy it. And, and, and that, until somebody Wait, proves you, me wrong, well, like, it does make. Hang on, it does make sense that Russia would do it now. It makes a hell of a lot of sense because uh, they've reacted to the Ukrainian army massing on the border, about to invade the uh, Donbass region, Lugansk and Donetsk. That's what they were about to do, and the Russians have uh, leaked the, uh, the the documents that they uh, managed to filch through their signals intelligence that they were about. The Ukrainian army was about to attack. Don, Donbass, and that's why they did it when they did. And also, there were votes, various votes, at end of January and early February, uh, in the Duma, saying that we must go to the defence of these people. Now, remember, there's fifteen thousand people been killed there since the coup over the last eight years. That's right. So I'm afraid I don't buy this whole thing of you know. I think what's happened is they have that NATO have deliberately uh, forced that forced their hand. You know, so it, you know I, I, the timing is a NATO thing, and of course this is. You know, think about Afghanistan. They brought all those troops back. Why did they do that? Well, maybe they were preparing something else uh, because they knew that if they were left in Afghanistan, they'd just be encircled if there was a wider war. And they're now in a position where they can start to potentially provoke a wider war and those troops won't be surrounded by the Russians and or the Chinese, you know, down in Afghanistan. They're back home again. Uh, so that I mean the, the Great Reset, obviously, this is it. You know, this is what yeah, this is yeah. what the Great Reset will be. But it's not. Allow me to retort. Hang on. Yeah, allow me to yeah, retort. No, no. Look, everything you said there about the documents, the Russians discovering the documents, the talk and the Duma, the Ukrainians, all of that is true. I don't dispute any of that, and that's why I said I can't prove my theory. But you saying that the documents, that all the evidence is there, that this was going to happen, the Russians had to react, that doesn't mean that that isn't part of the stitch-up. That it's all laid out there for the world to see, so that we believe it, so that we believe the Russians were provoked into acting and the Russians were only doing what's right for, for, well, for them. I, mean, I know, I, I know, I, listen, I, I've, I, want, well, no, I've got, I want to say this, really important, because well, I've been critical of other independent content creators for going down crazy rabbit holes and saying, you know, the earth is flat and all sorts of stuff like that, and maybe it is, I, I don't believe it is, <laughs> but you know, each to their own. I don't jump to conclusions like that. I believe if they want to make it look perfectly, to make it look, you know, lock stock, that the Russians were provoked into it, here's the evidence, the Russians did it, it's easy for them to do that. None of this makes sense right now to me. It doesn't. Because everything that's happening serves this agenda you just call the Great Reset. Everything. It serves it. it, it it's a gift 
to this yeah, agenda. But the, yeah, but all I'm saying is that the, uh, the, 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 the NATO provoked the Russians finally to do this. Um, and okay. they've been sitting there waiting to do it for the last eight years. They, you know, there's a lot of political pressure in Russia, in Russia on Putin to save the lives of the Russian ethnic Russians in, in that part of the world. So I think that, you know, it's basically the, the chess moves are being made by uh, by the NATO countries and the Bilderbergers, you know, that's those are the people that are actually making those chess moves, and you're the right, Russians are right. reacting to it now. I think, in a way, the Russians are being played in a way like we are being played. But the thing is that they have a far, far, um, you know, more sophisticated backup system, don't they, than we do? You know, they they have uh, had many years of uh, threats from the West, and they've, you know, they've got the raw materials, they've got the food, etc., to make sure their people are fed. In fact, I was. Looking at the you know the preparations for nuclear war are quite advanced in China and Russia. They're ready for an attack on them. They're not wanting these things. I think it's the West that's leading all of this. Actually, it's the financial elite, you know, the globalists based here, the uh, skull and bonesers, that lot. That you know, you know, the oligarchy, if you want to call them that. Uh, the uh, yeah, they, they are they are the ones, the Bilderbergs. But the Chinese, but the Chinese are brutalizing their own people, and they always have done, and they're doing it now. And yet we imagine that in the great battle of good versus evil, uh, the East is not as bad as the West. I don't buy that. I, I want to reiterate something I said to you, not last time you were on, but the previous time. The Putin administration did nothing to stand in the way of this great reset thing. It's done nothing to, to, to stand in the way of the great COVID lie. Now, I believe COVID existed, but the vaccines, the Russians were no resistance whatsoever to that agenda. They went along with it. I'll answer it in a similar way. I mean, since then, we've had the gold back ruble now, haven't we? I mean, which is definitely not great reset material. This is actually saying, well, our existing currencies are fine. We don't need to change anything. Yeah. You know, but the, the fact of the matter is that the, the Russians, uh, I mean, I think, I think the Russians have um, had their own independent policies, and um, we've got this very different. China and Russia, of course, extremely different. They they've gone along with the COVID stuff. I think they're buying time. Uh, you know, maybe they believed in it, maybe they didn't. Maybe they just thought we can cut a deal with the West here, but they've realised that they can't eventually, and they're now in a position, as we've seen this new is it Sarmat missile that he tested last week. They're now yes. in a position. They've developed the technology to fight and win. They believe potentially, anyway, if anyone would win a nuclear war. And, and they're now able to stand up to the, the Americans. Whatever the Americans do, they can say, no, we're not doing that. Uh, when there's very, very few people around the world that can do that. But China, I think, is... Is uh, you know it's like the states. It's quite it's you know it's controlled by the secret societies from above. And uh, you know, but hang on, the whole point is to get China and America fighting each other in a third world war. Russia is not necessarily going to be well. It may be on the Chinese side, uh, but it is I think still uh, reasonably independent uh, as a as a nation. And I think they have the confidence because they've got they've got some depth in their democracy over there. You know, the people, the stuff Putin is doing is what the Russian people want overall. He's got something like 80% approval rating now. Yeah, according nice to, to him. How do we know that? that? It's funny you say well, that he's got 80% yeah, approval got, rating. Why, why should we believe that? He's got, a de he's got a depth in the... So if Putin is bumped off and whoever replaces him is bumped off, there are loads of people in the political class and in the military over in Russia who have a similar mind, you know, who are fairly flexible. And, you know, they're, they're, they're there to serve the people rather than just to feather their own nest as our lot are.
I'm not sure I agree with that. Putin is a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. He's a gangster. I could talk Sochi Olympics. I've no time for him. But look, I'm, I'm giving you the final word on that. But I, I wanted to ask you something else. We've, only, we've really only got three minutes. And okay. I, th- I thought of you earlier, in the, no, not earlier in the week, last week. I was listening to Times Radio, God help me, for a few minutes. And who was on there speaking to John Pienaar? Only Jeremy Corbyn. And if I could have throttled Corbyn on the spot, I'd have throttled him on the spot. This useless goon, Jeremy Corbyn. He was talking about NATO and disbanding NATO. I was, not that I matter, I do not matter as a person. I'm just a content creator like you. But when Corbyn was elected as Labour leader, I called it exactly what would happen. I said he was useless. I said he would do and say nothing. He would certainly say nothing that he had been saying at protest marches and meetings for years. I turned out to be right. To hear Corbyn mumbling on Times Radio about NATO and expanding NATO and making a case, you know, for not, not so much making a case for Russia, but saying that it's a bit more nuanced and blah, blah, blah. I thought you yellow bastard in three and a half, four years as Labour leader in live television interviews, you said nothing about anything. What a dreadful, wretched man Corbett is. And well, I think look, proof... He was a nice guy, he's a nice guy, but he wasn't anywhere near uh, uh, capable of being leader. Look, did he say that Paul Hauser, who was an NSS general at the end of the Second World War, I wonder if Corbyn said this, that NATO, it's a quote from Hauser, that NATO was created out of some of the units of the SS. Did did um, Corbyn quote that, for example? No, that would of be course quite not. an interesting thing to throw at Pienaar, wouldn't it? And, uh, you know, that. so the, the, he doesn't really have the depth, I don't think, of knowledge, Corbyn, to do it. But he was a nice guy. He was basically trying to play Kumbaya, but he wasn't really up to the top job of being a politician, I'm afraid. But, you know, very good at doing speeches. He's been on the right side of history, I think, through most through the Irish Troubles, etc. And, uh, you know, th- what's the problem? It's just that he was put in a position where which he wasn't up to the job. And, he, you know, he flaked out on Brexit. He bottled uh, it. And he flaked out on... He flaked out on the anti-Semitism business. He should have got that sorted That's right originally, and then he started helping the people who are after his blood, you know, rather than the people who are his allies. He had no courage. But, you know, you know, it's easy to say these. I mean, I've had a very kind of privileged, and I really do understand I've had a very privileged life, and, you know, being, being, for example, you know, working for the Beeb in the late 80s, early 90s, working with people like Chris Morris, the comedian, God knows what happened to him, but he was an absolutely brilliant brilliant comedian he would if he had a chance now would be ripping into these imbeciles thinking that they're running the show that they actually are trying to you know what did you see this thing today oh uh, artificial embryos why do we need women's um, uh, uh, you know i did see this in the times you know, i did see this yeah. is, this this stuff should be completely i mean if that you know, the, who is going to do the research into this? Who is going to be ba- who's going to allow someone to grow babies? Grow a baby, yeah. Test tube, you know. So uh, I know working with people like Johnny Walker, Tommy Vance, working alongside Liz McKean in Southampton, the woman that exposed the Jimmy Savile scandal. Uh, you know, and we're very privileged when it comes to information. Corbyn, I'm afraid, you know, he just didn't realise what he was up against. Uh, I would, I absolutely nothing against the guy at all, uh, because he was very well intentioned. And I think that is a starting point with all politics. People have got to be well intentioned, even if they're not up to the job. At least give it a go. 
that that's the last word on Corbyn. I'm a man of my word. Uh, briefly, if you can, is it too early to ask who's on the programme this coming Friday? It's an excellent radio programme, folks. It really is. It's It stands alone, really. It's terrific. Uh, any well, idea who's on Friday, no, it's T? Not, it's not. I've got uh, one interview in the bag for Friday, which is about uh, Nazi ecology, which is quite interesting. It's the whole uh, sort of uh, Nazi approach to the environmental movement, which... You know, it's pretty chilling, actually, the idea that, you know, you can be first you can go from an organisation that wants to like, you know, squatters rights, you know, like we, we need to share out the land is a nice good idea. That's quite a nice thing. But it can get get very, very nasty right the way down to eugenics. And I've got one of the world experts, Mark Musser, uh, who's uh, yeah, he's written the book on Nazi ecology uh, talking about that, because I think it's really important to understand what the Extinction Rebellion lot are up to. Uh, you know, they are not, to my mind, proper ecologists or no. environmentalists at all. They, they're people who are just sort of bought and paid for, and their leadership is very questionable. The idea really is to, you know, go along with this great reset, to commit Harry Carry when it comes to... Absolutely, uh, and a lot know, of scared children. A lot of scared children. It's a terrible thing to say. I'm a big fan of coal. We've got hundreds of years of coal in South Wales. Let's dig it out, and let's uh, you know if if we haven't and got people back to work, let's dig out some of those old steam trains, and we can maybe run a railway. Uh, on coal. See, that's utopia. Tiba, right out of time, folks. Go to thisweek.org.uk. Check out Bilderberg.org. Buy a Tony Gosling book. Support the independent media. Five o'clock at Fridays, live out of Bristol. Not the BCFM politics show. Brilliant to have you back, T. Thanks for your time again, mate. Love having you on. Thanks, Richie. Cheers. Bye. And speak again real soon. Tony Gosling, live on Monday's Richie Allen Show. The time is coming up for one and a half minutes past six o'clock. Lots and lots of your comments. Thank you for them. I'll get to them in a jiffy. In a jiffy, I said, in a jiffy. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. And I very, very rarely, maybe a couple of times a year, ask about support, but please do support. Support the show, uh, dear listener, if you can. If you haven't and you can't, fair enough. But if you haven't and you can, go to richieallen.co.uk where it says support your show. There are avenues there by w- w- how you can do it. A bank account and there's a PayPal thing now, a new PayPal thing and, uh, and, and, and what's not. So do if you can. Won't be asking again for a while. Thanks for your comments. You can leave them at comment live on the website richieallen.co.uk number of you uh, Red Green says a split mind is a diseased mind that's the purpose of politics a healthy mind is whole and calm don't be poly tricked he says sound like Jordan Maxwell rest in peace Uh, Craig says a story came out of Japan a couple of years ago about a prototype artificial wombs was it two years ago Craig I vaguely remember Something along those lines. Didn't have time to get into that with Tony. But you know when I hear those stories, you know, to grow babies in artificial wombs outside of a woman's body, it's when I begin, not that I'm arrogant enough to think I know because I don't know. And I'm very respectful of people's opinions, even if I don't share them. I genuinely am. Not because I'm a virtue signaller. But I know nothing really. I just have opinions. So I I think the opinions of others are just as valid as mine. So when people talk to me about a battle between good and evil, when they talk to me about religion, 
I listen to them. And when I see stories like that one today about growing babies in these pods and massive amounts of money being spent on looking into that, I begin to have more and more sympathy with the ideas of people who've come on this programme to tell me there's something satanic, there's something very dark that that's maybe not of this world, that's maybe something we can't see or smell or touch running through the badness and the madness that's, that's currently going on. You know? Uh, Faisal echoes my question to Tony. Why didn't the Russians protect the Donbass before? Why recognise it just as the pandemic is slacking off? I won't reiterate my thoughts because I've given them too often about why I don't believe any of it is as it appears. Diane says, opportunistic use of pushing Putin too far cause and effect in effect, says Diane. You might be right, Diane. I don't know. Uh... And the Dodge has just had Tony's book, Traitors of Arnhem, delivered after hearing Tony speak on the show last time. It's an excellent read, uh, Dodge, so it is. Hi to Steve T, uh, who's copied and pasted something there, which is about 25 paragraphs long, so I can't read that out, but it's there if you want to read it yourself, dear listener. Richard says, at this stage, my feeling is that 99% of what we are shown is there to draw our attention to it while they are doing something else. Most of the time, Richard thinks, and he might be right, that when we see an agenda, when we see a news story, nearly all of the time, that is to distract you from something else that's going on elsewhere. Uh, and I think you might very well be right there, Richard. Uh, something I I share. Lots of comments today, there always is, to read them and to engage with the posters. Go to richieallen.co.uk forward slash live hyphen comment. It's live comment on the website. Here is KT Tunstall. KT Tunstall on the Richie Allen Show. The time is six minutes past six. Dean Henderson will join me live momentarily. Katie Tonstall on The Richie Allen Show. That's Suddenly I See. The time is eight minutes past six. Um, Dean Henderson has been coming on my radio shows as long uh, as Tony Gosling. Uh, I've not had too many people come on as long. Dean is one of the longest recurring guests on the programme. He is a terrific writer, broadcaster, former political candidate, public speaker. I'm very proud to know him. Always incredibly well briefed. Let's welcome back to the programme, the great Dean Henderson. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? Hey, good, Richie. Thanks for having me, brother. Great to have you back, my friend. Here's a silly question to kick us off today. Is it possible that everything that happens in the world of geopolitics is has been predetermined and has been scripted or written. I'm thinking of what's happening in Ukraine right now, which I believe to be a real thing. Russia has said, right, on the face of it, Russia has said, right, we've had enough of uh, your meddling. We've had enough of the nationalistic uh, lurch in Ukraine. We've had enough of the United States and maybe bio-weapon uh, labs in Ukraine, maybe all of that. And we've had enough since 1990. We're going to uh, act. And that's how it looks. And if that were true, I would have some sympathy with the government of Vladimir Putin, even though I hate violence and violence is wrong, no matter who does it. But is it possible that what is going on 
is controlled to the nth degree. And that would mean even Vladimir Putin himself being controlled. And that all of this is ultimately just the next chapter in the unfolding Great Reset agenda. Or do I need to take some time out (laughs) and maybe get away from conspiracy research for a while because I've gone too far down the rabbit hole? What do you think, my friend? Well, it's definitely a million-dollar question. Um, I would say in, in any particular instance, it's it's not only possible but likely that the global oligarchy or the crown uh, agents uh, are behind many things. But I would also say that throughout history, there has been cases where the people have actually risen up, you know. And, um, you know, you think of Nicaragua, you think of Cuba, you think of Angola, you think of Mozambique think El Salvador, you think, you know, there's, there's, and some of those governments are still in power, despite the best efforts of the global oligarchy to snuff them out. Syria is another example, Iran. I mean, unless everyone just thinks, yeah, but Assad is in the pocket of the bankers and Iran's in the pocket and, you know, then I think it's a bridge too far to say it always happens that way, in other words. And I, and I'm, pretty optimistic that this incident is uh, one of those incidences. And the reason I say that is it just feels like the energy's changed, not just with Ukraine and Russia, because look, I mean, yeah, the Empire Press Union, uh, which became the Pilgrim Society, which became MI6 and the CIA, um, is firmly in charge of this movie that they're showing the world. They're showing showing us a movie. Part of it is a hive-minding to take back the conservatives who fell off the hive mind wagon during COVID because the liberals were firmly uh, zombieized or zombitized or whatever you want to call it during COVID. And they put their masks on, they were obedient and they, um, they got evil. And so they joined the hive mind. And now you have this kind of faction of Republicans, in the United States, at least I'm sure it's the same Britain where some conservatives are very pro Ukraine and anti-Russia and there's a reason they sow this narrative, this hate Russia narrative. Uh, well, it's been seven years, probably, at least. But the whole thing with Trump, I mean, it was Trump was just a foil. Trump was just an intermediary. You put anybody next to Trump, you're going to hate that person if he gets along with Trump or that girl or that whatever. Um, anybody that gets along with Trump is evil. So that, that whole thing with Trump and, you know, look, British intelligence put Trump in power through Cambridge Analytica. And their parent company, which was a big defense contractor in the UK with close ties to the crown. And there was a Lord Mountbatten on the board of directors, for Christ's sakes. So they put Trump in power, clearly. Why? Well, you know, zombatize, <laughs> I don't know what the word is there, but make zombies of liberals was a huge part of it. And then roll out the COVID and they'd be obedient to Pfizer and the CIA and CNN, and which is owned by AT&T and yeah, the Empire Press Union the program society, they would be obedient to the crown. They would do with the crown. And I look at what's happening in Ukraine. And, and another indication for me is, you know, what we're seeing in the United States on the news anyway, is there's, they're marching out this new Royal Institute of something. I don't even remember the name of it. Honestly, it's been a few days since I've seen them, but they have different, uh, different guests, but they're all from the same Royal Institute for international security. I think they're calling it. So it's this whole new fabrication that uh, out of Chatham house, which you and Tony were just talking about that uh, spins these yarns. And of course, we know the SAS has been deeply uh, busted by Russia for leading a lot of these things in Ukraine. We know that 
when we see media reports from the United States, again, it's always British intelligence says, or the British defense ministry says, or, you know, and all these lies and these false series of false flags that the Azov battalion and the, uh, the fascists that we back have, cause we always back fascists, Richie, what else is new? Um, it's all fabricated. It's a movie. So they go around, they, they take uh, apartments that people used to live in and they use them uh, for bomb factories or sniper dens or whatever. And then they say, oh, Russia hit a apartment. Or and as in the case now, they hold a hundred hostages inside, I guess at least a hundred hostages, civilians, they call them civilians. Okay, so what are they doing in this ironworks with the Azov battalion? Yes. If they're civilians, let them out. Are you, otherwise you're talking about human shields here, aren't you? So it's just, it's just you gotta use your brain a little bit. You gotta look past the Empire Press Union narrative Another thing that's encouraging is Klaus Schwab himself has come out uh, against Russia in this conflict and against Putin and says some really harsh things about him. And I would argue actually that what is really going on is a deeper change in geopolitics in the world that's long overdue. Not only do you have India now trading with China for oil using yawn, you have a gold-backed ruble. You have a ruble that's higher than it was before the war started in late February. You have, uh, you know, if Klaus Schwab wants this fourth industrial revolution, fourth Reich bullshit, which he does, he's going to need nickel <laughs> because all your EV and your, and your, you know, all that stuff needs nickel as a conductor. And Russia has all the nickel. That's a problem for these guys. And I see a lot of ringing of hands. I see a lot of great reset pipe dreams going up in flames is what I see. And I also see the Intifada kicking up again, the third Intifada. I also see the Houthis basically defeating the Saudis now in Yemen. Uh, last week, Saudi Arabia announced it would end operations in Yemen effective immediately the next day. You know, it's done. They they won. The Houthis won. The Iranian-backed Houthis won. Um, yeah, Iran and Israel are at each other's throats again. Um, I just see kind of a, a global resurgence and sort of a more revolutionary tone against the Great Reset fuckers. And it's like... Look, we've had enough. Okay, that's what I see. Yeah, basta. You know, we've had enough. And this could be a Zapatista moment for the entire world one more time if we get our heads out of our asses. But I can't equivocate on this one. I'm back Russia. No, this is good, this. I back Russia. Do, do you think if it gets bad enough for people, we, we, we're being told by, okay, again, we're being told by people that traditionally we've not tended to believe um, politicians, but also bankers, the president of the World Bank has been speaking, saying that the food crisis that is inevitably, uh, that is inevitable, it's happening now, but it's going to inevitably worsen as the year progresses and maybe into 2023. Do you think things could get bad enough that it might light the fire under people locally, if not nationally, but locally? I ask that. At the same time, I've just spoken to Tony Gosling, who's a very good journalist based in Bristol. And we were, we were wondering about the Chinese, Dean, and how the Chinese of Shanghai and of Beijing, how they are so passive in the face of such monstrous fascism by their, by their own government. Now, Tony says there might be some resistance there, but it's very difficult for that to get out to the Western audiences because China exerts such a control over what people see and hear out of its country. But I'm wondering if things do get excruciatingly bad enough for people, if it becomes almost impossible to live, and I mean people in England and Wales and Ireland, 
will will that be a bridge too far for us? And might that be the beginning of genuine resistance against this agenda? Which is on it is happening. I mean, it staggers me. It's actually fucking happening in front of our eyes. The things that you wrote about in your books, the things you talked about to me when I first met you on the radio years ago, it's happening now. Will it get too bad for people? And will that lead to genuine resistance? Well, that's, that's if you know, if you study history, that's always what it takes for people to become revolutionaries is literally, you know, your kids are starving. Yeah. People you know are starving. Maybe you're starving. So that's entirely possible. Um, they're going to look, they're going to use this. I think what's going on is, you know, now that it's a conflict and now that you see Russia. Yeah. Ritter's right. You know, Russia did a faint and I've been saying Russia's going to now do a pincer move on both sides of that line of 120,000 Ukrainian troops that goes all the way from, uh, is it Kharkiv at the very North and all the way down to Mariupol. And, um, they're going to do a pincer move on that and they're going to, they're going to, it's going to be ugly, but you know, what are you going to do? So, and then they're going to get Odessa because they want to bridge to Moldova, which has a large Russian nationalist population. Also a separatist kind of movement, even, um, they won't take Moldova. They won't have to, but I think Moldova, you know, it's already pretty friendly government. It'll be even friendlier. Um, then they'll have the entire black sea, uh, and the sea of Azov sewed up. There will be no ports for Ukraine. So the Nazis will have to, do their coke and um, run their uh, little girls just in Kiev. And uh, if they can get them out of the seaport, good luck. They're not going to. And that's where most of the smut comes in because that's where PO Ned Lloyd owns everything, including the ports, including the ships. Um, and PO is the old Hong Kong, Shanghai, you know, peninsula orient and navigation company. It's owned by the Crown, the Sutherlands, the uh, Keswicks, the, the Rock Rothschilds, uh, all these people, these British. Yeah, lords and sirs and whatever the fuck, you know. So they're evil and they're causing the shipping shortage too, I might add, uh, to the whole West, mostly because of their exorbitant shipping rates they've been charging. But now China's shut down and then you have to ask, well, was that, you know, yeah, now, now in other words, now that they're in Ukraine, now that it's happening and now that um, they're there, they're going to try to keep it going as long as they can. Because A, it's arms sales, obviously, and they need something to kind of fill the gap now that they've, you know, their little online pipe dream, mass people up, keep them home, shop on the internet. That's kind of winding down. So they got to have like something else. So they're going to, you know, they're going to make a lot of money selling arms um, while they can. And they're going to try to weaken Russia. Clearly that's uh, the goal. But what I ask is this, like who, who tricked who or who trapped who? And it seems to me like Putin must've known that, okay, they're going to do sanctions if I do this. And that's exactly what I want them to do because they'll destroy their own economies and yeah, maybe there will be a food shortage, um, you know, which honestly, in the long run, like you say, it doesn't help the reset either because that means people are going to wake up and maybe things just are coming to like a re reality check here where, look, we're, we're living on 27 trillion in debt in this country over well, here well said. and something's got to give and you have to liquidate that debt at some point, which means you have to allow a deflationary depression to occur. Here's okay. the here's the fly in the ointment. I, I don't get too many chances to debate you, to put the, the counterpoints to you, but I'm glad I can today. Dean Henderson is our guest, folks. I said this a thousand times in the last 10, 11, 12 years, but you need to read Big Oil and their bankers in the Persian Gulf. You need to read The Grateful Unrich. You need to read Illuminati, Agenda 21, Nephilim Crown, 5G Apocalypse. This guy's brilliant. 
And he's not asking me to say that. He doesn't advertise on this programme. I'm telling you because it's the truth. Read Dean Henderson's books. Find them online. Um, very few people I've met over the years has as much of an understanding of this agenda as him. But I'm going to argue with you anyway. I'm going to, I'm going to take a punt. I'm going to have a go. If you don't buy a ticket, you don't win the raffle, Dean. So I'm going to have a go at you. <laughs> Do you know what it is? Everything you say makes sense to me. And you pose a brilliant question. Why would they do that? Why would they, you know, bankrupt their own economies? Why would they push people to the brink? Because if they push people to the brink, the people might eventually revolt against them. You ask a great question, and I have no answer to it except this. If they got their central bank digital currency in play and they got rid of cash, then all bets are off and they can do whatever they want. And if people decide to revolt at that stage, you know, well, 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 hang on a second. We can, you know, we can properly shut you down. We can render yeah. you homeless. You know, we can, we can stop your, uh, we can stop you paying for this, we can stop you paying for that, we can stop you travelling. Now, I know you've already kind of answered it by saying that, well, it's at that point that people will have nothing to lose and that they will rise up. But my thing is, you see, if they allow some people suck off the teat of digital currencies, if they allow some people survive, those people won't be as inclined to stand by their brothers and sisters who have been shut off. That's all I'm saying, you know. That's that's what it keeps coming down to for me. I, I, I don't trust people to do the right thing. I think people have become so selfish and so lazy. Tell me I I'm agree. wrong. I, I totally agree. Uh, they have, and they've internalized the evil of uh, the system that these really dark people have created. And they're shoving it down our throats now through the media. You know, they're, they're basically initiating you into a satanic cult every time you turn on a TV Every time, you know, a lot of times when you look at an internet page or just anything, even even books you read, I mean, now, I mean, the, it's in our education system. I mean, it's terrible. So, you know, this is the whole thing. I just feel like maybe, you know, look, one of the drivers in Russia, of course, is the Russian Orthodox Church. And people just don't realize how big of a driver that is, whereas the West has gotten, you know, less religious or less, they don't even care about religion, but less spiritual, let's say, less inclined to want to be on the side of good. You know, is that yeah. a bridge too far? I mean, but that's about it. I mean, they, they don't care about good. They don't care about even doing the right thing. They don't care about anything. Um, it's just all narcissism and hive mind and, you know, getting the likes and uh, Consumerism. being part of the cheaper yeah. crowd and being popular because of that. And if you're if you're all evil and it's popular, it's OK. It's fine. It's great. Right. So here comes Russia. Here comes reality. Here comes a gold back ruble, which, if anything, takes us further away from that digital currency. Yeah. See. And and that's the thing. And and at the more hard assets, the more the more Russia's got nickel over our head, or the or the more Ukrainian barley fields and wheat fields are maybe shut down, and it gets real again. And people realize, oh, gee, I can't just walk around with this phone because guess what? This phone's fucking dead now. Yeah, so, yeah, I can't use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Tony, Tony said that in the first hour. He mentioned the gold-backed ruble. Let's stay with the Russian Orthodox Church for a moment because. Um, shamefully, I don't know very much about it. But you seem to think it might be a force for good there. Look, I've fallen out with churches. I grew up in Catholic Ireland. I, I, we didn't have nice Catholic priests. They weren't child abusers, not the ones I met anyway. But, you know, they were insincere people. They were very austere, harsh people. There was nothing nice about them. I didn't like it. I fell away from religion. But you seem to think that it might be different in Russia. 
Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I went through the same thing, Richie, and uh, and I don't go to church, and I fell away from religion as well, and for the same reasons. But um, and and obviously, the Russian Orthodox Church is not anything perfect either, I'm sure. But um, it's it's the Russian Orthodox Church has taken on this real kind of uh, well, it's kind of I think it's kind of a nationalism, and I think it's kind of a response to the '97 Russia ruble crash. When um, and, and people just forget that so easy, but that's it's in that big oil book. It's a whole chapter um, about what Goldman Sachs did, what Harvard Institute of International Affairs did, um, what, uh, you know, uh, we, what we did in Kosovo in tandem with that and what we've done um, to Russia just to take them down. We, we stole I mean, we stole Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan. Um, you know, Azerbaijan, Armenia, Ukraine, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, you know, that was all part of the Soviet Union, not to mention Poland, Bulgaria, Romania. Uh, that was a big thing. And and then later to find out that, OK, it was a Khodorkovsky and, you know, all these oligarchs, which they claim are Russian, but which mostly are actually Ukrainian. And if they are Russian, they're in opposition to Putin because he's gone after them. But Khodorkovsky and Berezhovsky and all these guys and and then there was in the church itself in Ukraine, there, there got to be this sort of Ukrainian identity thing going on. Um, this Cardinal Bartholomew uh, was at odds with uh, the Russian Orthodox Church. And this whole thing with Ukrainian identity, it's kind of creepy. It's kind of like the Israelis do with uh, Jewish identity, some of them. And you're like, wait a minute, I thought Jewish, Jewish was a religion, not an identity. And no, no, I'm a secular Jew. What the hell does that mean? I don't even understand that. So it's kind of the same in Ukraine. It's like, no, no, we're different from Russia. We're, you know, they're not as good as us. We're going to ban their language. We're going to make them change their names to Ukrainian names. We're going to change all the cities on the map into Ukrainian names. We're different, you know, and, and the whole idea of the church is like to unify people. And that's really, as Putin has said in, in uh, interviews I've seen him give to Oliver Stone and others, you know, that look, the Russian Orthodox Church, the Slavic heritage, um, that this is what, you know, in the Russian language, this is what unites uh, Ukrainian people with Russian people. And and yes, there's been times when they've been, you know, independent. And yes, there's been other times when they haven't. They've always had a common heritage, and the church is what really brings that together. Which yeah. is why, if you watch RT or something, you'll see Russian troops feeding the people that they, you know, they they took about 20 more towns yesterday. And the first thing they do is they feed people, they bring water, they bring medical care. How many times have you seen the Ukrainian military do that? No, I mean, but the Russians. That, if no. they were doing that, why wouldn't they put it all over fucking CNN? Fair enough. I, I accept that, that point. They're killing their own people, and they're a bunch of Nazis. Fair enough, and I take that point on board. But the Russians have also killed Ukrainian civilians, and it's an inevitability in war. And it's and I hate it. The Sandinistas, I'm sure, killed yeah. civilians in Nicaragua, but that doesn't mean I condemn the Sandinistas. hundred percent. I, I I hear where you're coming from, and you I know, know it's I, just a war. But I'm just saying, there's a whole lot of theater going on, yeah. and what what the Russians supposedly did, and all the mass graves, and every day it's all chemical weapons talk and nuclear weapons tomorrow. Lie after oh, lie after there, lie. There, you know, this Zelensky, this Kolomoisky's boy, he just sits there and does coke in Kiev. And you yeah. can see it. He's a cokehead. So this is a mafia. He might be. I, I, I don't know that he is. I think they'll leave him alone now. Now, if they just get to Odessa, get, connect Moldova, get east of the river from Dnipro, going east, uh, where all the industry and the, and the barley fields and wheat fields are, uh, they'll just let them alone in Kiev. I don't think they'll bother with it. And he always said it was about denazification. And he wasn't kidding. So that's what I like about Putin, too. He's honest. He actually uh, analyzed the situation and realized what was going on. 
And that's not hyperbole to say that he's denazifying Ukraine because they have become their leadership anyway, a bunch of Nazis, a bunch of oligarch driven Nazis, crown driven Nazis. And the crown is the original Nazis. You have to understand that they created Hitler. They created Mussolini. They created Zelensky. They create people in South Africa that stood up uh, enforcing apartheid. They're just the original. They hate black people. They hate Meghan Markle. I don't like her either, but it's not because she's black, but they hate her because she's black. They actually do. Do you think so? This is this is interesting. And you know what else I hope is that Putin just bombs off fuck out of the city of London. Everybody get out. Time to get out. Next time they send anti-ship missiles, he said it. He said, if you send anti-ship missiles, you're a target. I, I hope he backs it up. And everybody get, better get out of there because I always see that blizzards and all them statues and everything <laughs> melting down in the Freemason lodges. You know, but it would be, but Dean, it, it, oh, would be, yeah. it would be the end of us, though. This <laughs> is the thing. I, I can hear the frustration there. It would be the end of us if if he did it. I mean, we're, we look at footage sometimes, black and white footage of, of mushroom clouds, and sometimes we see re, reenactments of nu- nuclear testing in, in the desert in, in, in Vegas. But this was in, you know, the 40s and 50s. What they've got now is thousands of times more destructive than the original atomic bombs. If it comes to that, well, then Lucifer will have won. If right. Putin no, launches... I, I mean, I say take a drink. I know, you've got your tongue in your cheek. I know that, know, yeah. Give him 24 hours to get out. Yeah. But I'm not kidding when I say that. I'm, I'm not... I'm so... Um, you know, you, you write your whole life, you analyze your whole life, you try to make change your whole life, and you see 35 years go by and you see things going backwards. Getting worse, yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm never been a good loser, dude. And, well, you're um, not a loser. You're, you're, like you're, so you're, look, we need military help. Our cause needs military help. Like in Venezuela, military. like in Venezuela, maybe, you we mean? We got it. Maybe, maybe this is what it is. Maybe this is the military wing of the of the rising up of human consciousness. Do you know what now, we need, I Dean? Be totally wrong, and Putin could be in the pocket of all these guys, and blah blah blah. But I sure don't see it. I, I just think that's like, if you you know if you if you're looking at it that way, you're not looking at the facts. You're not looking at what's actually going on on the ground and who's against who. And how the big world has changed. Look, this is a European thing. 41 nations condemn Russia, all European. Usually. Uh, yeah. Nigeria wouldn't do it. Mexico didn't do it. India wouldn't do it. Mexico, really? South Africa didn't do it. Brazil didn't do it. Indonesia didn't do it. Um, there's a whole lot of people who got sense in this world outside of here that that are not going to just, you know, jump on the hysteria bandwagon and hate Russia. Because what? Because Russia has like a soul still, a church still. Uh, consciousness still. They didn't totally sell their souls. They nationalized some of their oil companies, at least, and their banks. They tried to make it good for their people, despite the blood suckers throughout history. And yeah, many of who were sponsored by the bankers, by the Warburgs, by the Kuhn Lobes, um, including Trotsky. The, the um, Oppenheimers, the usual not suspects. Stalin. That's why they hate Stalin so bad. Stalin was, was not sponsored by him, um, but not Khrushchev. You know, there's been times but we just got to hope it's a time now because look, we got nothing else, my friend. Yeah. We got we got no political way to stop this great reset. Can I jump in? Can I jump in there just very briefly yeah, and say you've made a very compelling case, and it's only my job to pose the question by saying is Putin and all the other, you know, Russian leaders and and oligarchs are they all in on it? I'm not saying that I know this to be true. I'm far from it. I'm posing the question. You've you've given a very compelling and very well thought out response to why you don't think that's the case. I have to say the 
listenership of the Richie Allen show is firmly in your camp and it has been for weeks. When I pose that question, they slap me down and say, look, you're wrong. I don't know that I am wrong, but more it's importantly, I, I don't know that I'm right and I don't believe. On, on the Russian m- moving back towards Christianity, great friend of the programme, very important lady, Jean-Anne Crowley. Jean-Anne says, um, wasn't there a prophecy to do with Russia coming back to Christianity. Jean Anne wonders, was it a, a prophecy of Saint Malachi or was it um an appearance or was it Fatima? But there was a prophecy to, to say that Russia would embrace uh, Christianity at some stage. I don't know if you'd come across that just just uh, just wondering. A, yeah there's been a little bit of that I think throughout and then an Edgar Case was another guy that said that, you know, ironically Russia would be the the country that saves the world from total evil, you know. And um, he did. So it could be. And um, and, and look, uh, it's not perfect. But and, and yeah, I wish Putin would have come out a little harder against COVID. But on the other hand, they didn't do anything too drastic. I think the city of Moscow did some things that were he didn't probably even like. But I got a friend in Crimea and he's never been forced to do anything or wear a mask. And he said, like, you know, five percent of the Russian people got vaccinated, probably. So it wasn't like he was pushing the agenda like Trudeau and Macron and Biden. You can't put him in that category. No. Um, you know what I mean? And that's important. OK, so, yeah, and I wish you would have done more to stop it and come out and maybe he still will. Maybe, you know, maybe this was the wake up call when they found the Hunter Biden bio labs and they connected him to Wuhan. They realized, oh, my God, the, 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 the Luciferian West is surrounding its enemies with bioweapons, you know, I mean. It's pretty serious stuff, you know. It'd be like if we put, or if it'd be like if Russia put bioweapons labs on the Mexican border, right? Yeah, yeah. And we just let it set. You think we or were missile, like, or missiles you know, in Cuba? Yeah, insane. Yeah. I mean, of course you would. Or they put something over there, you know? Yeah, across the channel on you guys. No, you wouldn't let it happen. So of course you wouldn't. So I don't know. I, and I think Wuhan, the Chinese might have woke up a little bit. Who knows where China's going? Are they going Mao Zedong? Are they going Deng Xiaoping here? Because you know they've been going Deng Xiaoping ever since. He met Kissinger in Detente, 73, and and Mao Zedong said he was a capitalist rotor, and he was. And Tiananmen Square was a protest against capitalism in China. People don't even know that. They think it was some protest against the communist government. No, it was a protest against the government privatizing everything shortly after this whole Detente. And they didn't get any benefits. When I was there, they didn't get health care, they didn't get nothing. So now it kind of seems like Xi is going the other way. Yeah, he is doing all this crazy stuff with COVID. And this is what you got. I guess we got to figure out is did the city of London break with China? When 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 will that happen? Did that happen um, or has it not happened? Because to me, it's which way China goes could be the deciding. Because um, yeah. I did say in my big oil book, I said, look, it looks like to me all the evidence is, is the crown, you know, has always run America. We're like a Hessianized mercenary force. Our our military protects uh, the oligarchs, mostly who do live in Europe in castles. And um, now maybe they're going to switch to China. Uh, I posit that question at the end of that book. And all the indications for the last 20 years, I've said, yep, yep, that's what's going on. That's And then, I don't know, now there's a lot of hostility. I think China got mad about the tariffs more than we understand that Trump did. I think they're holding up some shipping thing. Well, the whole port of Shanghai shut down for right now. That's the biggest port in the world. And that's going to drastically affect who? Not China so much. No, the Western economies, again, and with higher prices, with more inflation, and more shortages. And so, where is China going to end up standing on this on this uh, 
stage, but I suspect that they're on the side of, you know, again, they started trading oil with India and Yon. Um, they announced that last week and that's not happened. You know, Saddam tried that. You saw it happen. Gaddafi tried that. You saw it happen. But this isn't Libya. This isn't uh, Iraq. No, it isn't. You know, this is Russia. This is China. This, this is, is this the is big boys. A much, much different kettle of fish, as, as we say in Ireland. Let me read some comments because you've sparked... Um, a proper good debate on the pages of my website. Again, overwhelmingly people um, are on your side. Patricia says, nobody including Dean is suggesting that Putin is a great guy. But come on, people. Zelensky is a creep who is using the sympathy of the world for his own benefit. The West has always demonised Russia and way too many are not capable to look past the propaganda. And Dean did an excellent job talking about the propaganda, which is relentless here in uh, the UK. And here's one from Gareth. Gareth says, Putin is a tyrant like the rest of them. He's not independent. He promoted the bioweapon Sputnik vaccines on television and told his people to get them. That's Gareth. Um, but so that's two different points of view there. But again, the majority, if I scroll on down, I'm looking for I'm looking for ones that are anti Dean Henderson. And um, I'm not I'm not finding I'm not finding any. I'm not finding any at all. Hey listen, I don't believe that it's my job to find some kind of perennial balance. I'm not some mainstream media bollocks. I don't look for a balance, but I like you know, I do like to put the other side of things across. Look I wanted it it's twenty one minutes to the top of the air. We've got Dean for fifteen more minutes. Let me again shamelessly plug, and this is not his doing, it's mine. Big Oil and their bankers in the Persian Gulf. So relevant today, these books, they really are. Uh, Illuminati, Agenda 21, written, uh, Dean writing with uh, the great Jill Henderson, of course. Uh, Nephilim Crown, 5G Apocalypse. These are great books. They are available online. So just put Dean Henderson books. You'll find them on Amazon and elsewhere. Do read them. Do uh, talk about them. We're, we're, we're chatting here to a truly brilliant writer and independent content creator. Great to have Dean on the programme. Um, there's some evil things going on, you know. I, was, I mentioned this to Tony in the first hour. I think Tony might have brought it up, actually. But I was thinking about it today, reading about how advanced now artificial wombs are for people to, to grow babies in artificial wombs. And speaking of the Chinese, they've developed robot nannies to nurture babies in artificial wombs. And it's so horribly Matrix-esque, this. It sounds so dystopian, scientific movie. And all this crap is going on. They want to grow meat. You know, this <laughs> fake climate change agenda. Do you know what, Dean? I don't know if it's the same where you are, but they've properly scared the shit out of children here with the climate stuff. They've really scared them. I don't know if you've, I know you know all about it, but if you've, you know, seen how that's affecting young men and women, maybe in the United States, they really believe it. God love them, you know? Yeah, no, it's, uh, look, everything right now just seems designed to generate uh, fear and outrage, those two things. And everybody's outraged about something, you know, or, or, or and everybody's scared. I won't admit it, but they're scared. But look, this is what happened. I mean, right now we're in a situation, I, I've never seen it before anyway, where the media seems to be driving, in other words, the Empire Press Union, Pilgrim Society, uh, the secret societies that uh, exist uh, within the Chatham House Royal uh, Society. Um, they're driving the politics. So it used to be, you know, if you were the media, you went and you got, did an interview with the congressman and, and he gave you his policy uh, slant, you know, or whatever. 
And then you reported that. But now it's the media actually creating the narrative, the policy slant, how we're supposed to all think. And then they pretty much drag the politicians along or they shame them on social media, you know, if they don't go along because they have that lever now of, uh, you know, it's like a sixth grade popularity contest. That's what the social media is. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. It's evil. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's all virtue signaling there. They don't mean it. They don't know where Karen's at even when they talk about how much they love Ukraine. And if you're Roger Waters, did, but, but Bono put out this poem, um, and it was all like sappy or oh, maybe Ukraine is <laughs> Jesus or whatever. Waters just slapped him down and said, God, it's not enough. You've been hanging around with the oligarchs in Davos for the last decade. Now yeah. I got to listen to your shitty poem. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's brilliant. Yeah. 20 years Bono's been involved with the World Economic Forum. Yeah, so sad. Yeah. I, 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 love, I love those guys when they first come out. I Me mean, too. I genuinely think their hearts are good, but... uh Seems like not anymore. It's it's sad, but you know, again, it's just going along with the agenda. And if you if you kind of get sucked into that with money or fame or anything, um, that's the evil just kind of sets in on you. I think, and that's why you know we got to stay pure. We got to stay close to nature. We got to fight this evil you're talking about. This tech evil. It's it's really it's the tip of the spear is technology, right? And um, that's what keeps people distracted and and has washed out their their moral uh, compass i think and uh of course the vaccinations uh they're not helping either uh, taking away our humanity so really got to stay human and and um got to stay close to nature gotta gotta get out in nature more to appreciate how beautiful this creation is uh it always comes back to this because otherwise you're just sitting there looking at a screen and and, and listening to people yelling and screaming yeah, about yeah, how yeah. i'm supposed to think and what you're supposed to, you know, think about and, um, and it's horrible. So I've never, there's never, I don't think in the history of the world, there's been a time when, you know, humanity has been more captured by, uh, media. And, uh, this is the, this is really, uh, the crux of the problem, but you know, there's alternatives you can, and you have to find them, you know, as far as media, you have to find the alternatives. Um, and, and they're out there, but there does seem to be some, uh, yeah, really, it's dark times. And, and that's why I think maybe it's, we're coming to a head here. And maybe, you know, I mean, if people only understood how evil you, how much evil was going on in Ukraine before this happened for the last yeah. 10 years, whatever, I mean, you would understand that this could very well be sort of this epic battle between good and evil because everything we're talking about, including the technology, Ukraine was being used as this laboratory for social crediting and technology and tracking and, and a lot of bad things. And they're probably right now what's propping up Bitcoin is just illicit, uh, yeah, illicit trade through Ukraine, arms sales, all this stuff, trafficking. Um, so they're very much part of the, you know, global reset agenda is the Ukrainian model, you'd say. Um, but yeah, it's going to be funny when these 41 countries figure out in the end that they're, wow, we were supporting a bunch of Hitler people, I see. And the Russians had to come and kill Nazis again, just like they did in World War II. And I so hope you're right. And I know you're a spiritual man. I don't know what I am, but a lot of my close friends have a a very deep faith. If God does exist, if we were created in the image and the likeness of God, I don't say this now to be sarcastic. I don't. It's a genuine question. Where is he? It's about time you showed up, isn't it, really? Yeah. You know, well, or or, yeah. or not. I think, well, and I think, you know, there is something to the old adage, you know, God helps those who helps themselves. And 
So if we're not, if we're just going to be apathetic and lazy and intellectually lazy and, you know, try to have this uh, life where everybody just likes us and we don't stand up for what's right and take, you know, take chances and be persecuted because yeah, you will be. Um, then maybe you don't deserve any help, but maybe it's just a matter of the energy. Maybe God is just the energy, you know, it's just the great, as, as the Lakota say, the great mystery, the Wakantanka. And we don't, it's not even a, you know, it's just the energy. And it's like, if you build up enough energy, good energy and a braveness uh, in the population and people that want to do the right thing, then maybe that's God. Maybe that ends up being God, yeah. just a collective goodwill of all of us. And where is it? So we still want to know where God's at. Yeah. But, you know, but there's pockets of it right here. Your listeners are a big part of it. Uh, you're part of it. I'm you know, trying to be part of it. And um, so it's not like all is lost. I mean, if you think about 20 years ago when Bush was president in this country or Blair and just how what a straight jacket we were under as far as political speech, even. I mean, maybe it was worse back then because nobody was talking about the crown and the Rothschilds. And, no. you know, they were just kind of going along with it. And, you know, you had, you know. Uh, very little, uh, very little sense back then. Well, ironically, right. ironically, we didn't have the tech we do now, and that's not to no. take the piss out of what you've said, because what you've yeah. said is right. Yeah. Technology is the tip of the spear. You are one hundred percent right to say that it is deadly. You know, we've just started to see drones flying over Salford here in Greater Manchester. Police drones. Yeah. The police Man. drones have arrived here, right? So, oh, but, 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 by the same token. The technology has allowed you're I know you're in the country in the middle of Absolutely. nowhere. I'm here and yet it sounds like you know we're we're, we're next door or you're in the room. So on, on on that sense it's it's been okay but you're right back then yeah. You know maybe it was worse. Yeah we took yeah we, we we took it to them though. We, I mean we used it and um and I think we've used it really good the technology. Um but in the end yeah like what I decided is just I think what you've decided to because I know you got ready to Twitter and a bunch of stuff. Is just yeah, you know, make your presence, but make it minimal and make it when you're there, make it powerful, and give it everything you got. But then walk away from it, you know, and don't get entangled in the world wide web too much. Hey, do you know what you just said there? That's incredible. Um, I found it very liberating when I closed down my personal Facebook page four years ago. I had a personal yes, one, and, and and I know you did it. And you know, we you you would have had your friends on it, your old schoolmates, your college mates, and all of that. But I got rid of it. Um, Twitter got rid of me, but I can tell you, it's a gift not to be thinking about updating it and going on there and not doing it. And just just on that, I don't know if you've read this lately, but there's a lovely little thing happening. I don't know how big it is, but it's happening. Um, some younger, I hate to say younger people because neither of us are old, but 20-somethings, they're starting to ditch the smartphones for the dumb phones. Have you seen mm. that? It's wonderful. Yeah, it's, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit with the really young ones. Yeah, the 18, 19, 20s. Yeah, I'm seeing that too. What do they call them? Generation Z. But yeah, you know, maybe. I mean, because you got to think they're the ones that grew up and their mom and dad were just on a computer all the time. Yeah. You know, or on Facebook all the time, right? Just like like my, like, well, not so much my dad, but, you know, my mom kind of was, yeah, I watched a lot of TV. And uh, maybe it gets TV. <laughs> right. Some of the stuff my dad taught me too, maybe it gets it. But, um, but yeah, maybe they're going against it now because it, that's been just so omnipresent in their life. And they realize, wow, don't even ever talk to my mom and dad because they're always on Facebook. <laughs> I love it, I know, Hopefully, hopefully it, it'd be good. That's all we really need. I mean, we need to just get back to to just where we actually talk to people, you know, more and we actually call face people more. And yeah. 
connect with them and you know in the flesh and obviously but yeah we, we just we do what we do on the, on the on the internet computer uh technology uh grid to sort of use it like jiu-jitsu against them use use their weaponry against them and that's what you gotta do and uh man i'm glad you're still going brother i'm, I'm glad your show's still still there after all this time it's been a, it's been a long time you're right we've been doing this a long time we have been haven't we why well, i was first introduced to you when i was doing the gig for talk radio europe in spain that's how far back it goes. And then obviously London. And you were kind enough to, to get me the books and I read the books. And, and David, God bless him, great champion of your books and your writing, would always tell me, get Dean Anderson on, Richie. And he never, you know, he, he, he would never interfere. Like he never said to me ever, you know, over the years, I think you should interview him. But, but, but he used to listen a lot on, in his house on the Isle of Wight in his apartment. And because he listened, he would say every now and then, get Dean. Oh, I love listening to Dean, get him on. So we do. <laughs> We do go back a long way. Your books are splendid. Um, I, there aren't too many writers who, whose books are as, as well researched as, as yours. And uh, I've said to a thousand people, maybe more over the years, if you want to get into it, you know, I'm not saying you're entry level, you're not, you're very deep and, 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 and very thorough. But I said to people, you know, if you want to read a good writer talking about how we got to here over the centuries, the families, the banking cartels, the petrochemicals, all of that, you know, you need to, to read Dean. And I'm going to say that again before we um, say goodbye to Dean for today. Please, folks, this is so important, you've no idea. You know, we don't have advertising. Nobody is supporting, nobody is giving Dean Henderson any money for coming on here tonight and giving us an hour of his time. So buy one of his books. You'll find them online. Big Oil and their bankers in the Persian Gulf. It's as good as anything you'll ever read. It's jaw-droppingly good and shocking. And then you cross-reference what you're reading and you find out this guy's not crazy. This is actually true. Uh, read those books. The Grateful Unrich, Nephilim Crown 5G, Illuminati Agenda 21. No, it's lovely to hear some positive stuff uh, today about how, you know, things might change. I'm feeling a bit positive about it. Maybe it's because I had a spring break in the countryside, Dean. Maybe that's yeah. it. <laughs> Doesn't that's do any harm. That's the Bacardi talking, is it? I'm the Bacardi, <laughs> that's right. Listen, never on air. But, um, never, on air. <laughs> never on air, but I'm going to have a drink later and watch yeah. a, bit of, a bit of snooker. I think I'll go smoke a big fat joint when I get off Ah, oh, I tell you, I've never done that. But you know what? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe in the future. Regards to uh, Jill, and uh, come back anytime. Don't wait to be invited, Dean. Love having you on, pal. Right. Well, thanks for having me, Richie. It was really nice to be a man. So you have a great day. Keep rocking on, brother, okay? Thanks, Dean. The brilliant Dean Anderson, live from the Ozarks. Jean-Anne. Jean-Anne is real, by the way. Rosemarie, <laughs> earlier on, didn't exist. Jean-Anne's actually a real person, but then you know that. Of course you know that. Um, mentioned, it, it still amazes her that we can, and it's not just me, plenty of other content creators do it, but you can have a conversation with somebody or you can eavesdrop in on a conversation. You can drop in between a bloke in Salford, a baldy bloke in Salford and a guy with far more hair in the Ozarks and you can do it. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. It still amazes me because I remember Martin Nathan, who's a lovely bloke, Martin, the uh, the Jewish owner of Talk Radio Europe and a very a decent bloke, Martin used to say, uh, I like that show, Richie, that you do in the evening, which was a good thing for me because he paid me to do it. He said, I, I like it. But he said, jeepers, creepers, the bills, Richie. Because I would phone people like Dean 
and I would phone Jim Mars. We didn't have Skype, or Skype was new and it wasn't so reliable. So I would phone Jim, rest in peace, and Jim would go into his study, into his office, and I would phone David on the Isle of Wight from Spain. This is expensive, because Spain, of course, deregulation, of course, well, yeah, well, no, you've only got Telefonica and Movie Star, or at least that's all you had. But phone calls were very expensive in Spain. Owning a landline was an expensive thing, and phoning people in America was expensive. So he used to tear his hair out. But to be fair to him, he never interfered. He never said, listen, can you interview more people based in Spain? Never did that. But he used to say to me once a month, Jesus, the bills, the bills. And I used to say, did you enjoy listening to that show, did you? I might have interviewed Alex Jones for an hour back in the day, or Jordan, and he would go, yeah, I enjoyed it. And his wife enjoyed it. I said, well, then there you are. Stop whinging. (laughs) But now I can speak to Dean on Skype. And, you know, we all have our internet connections and you pay your, I don't know what it is, a month for for your for your for your broadband and that's it we can do that and it sounds great and it doesn't cost an arm and a leg so there you go all righty yeah enjoyed that today um do you know who's coming on the program on wednesday hey uh nurse jenny as i know her affectionately the brilliant jenny lowes uh from portugal because i said to jenny i said listen i'm i don't want to be talking about covid in ukraine for the entire week i want to talk a little bit about natural healing and natural medicine and she's so brilliant Jenny and so articulate and so interesting I invited her to come on so she's coming on the programme on Wednesday that's Wednesday we might get a phone in this week I'm not sure if not it'll definitely be uh, next week so the the week after uh, next lots of comments tonight on Russia and Ukraine and Tony and what we were talking about earlier on thanks for them by the way really appreciate them let me see I'm hoping that Tony will do one or two bits for the website on his own time. I've asked one or two people, by the way, people I like. I like a lot of people, but people I like who have a skill when it comes to writing. I've asked one or two people to, whenever they feel like it, just to drop something into the website, no pressure, maybe once a week, once a month even. I've asked Tony because he's such a good writer and I'm going to ask more people to do that. Some of the people that you might hear on the programme, Mariam. Henane, for example, brilliant woman. I'll be asking Mariam, yeah, just throw something in there every now and then uh, to give me a bit of a hand with the website. I like to put content on there on a daily basis, but the production of the radio show takes pretty much every bit of time I have. But I'd like to see people contributing pieces for, uh, for the website, and I think we'll see that as time goes on. Thank you so much to Dean Anderson, the amazing Dean Anderson. Thanks to Tony Gosling as well. And as usual, thank you for listening to the programme. Um, we'll do it again tomorrow at five o'clock. UK time for Tuesday. That's tomorrow's programme. Look after yourselves and one another. Enjoy the rest of your Monday evening. From your BBG, it's Hour of War. Adieu, adieu. I've been